0: Our reading for today is from Habakkuk chapter three, verses 16, uh, verses 16 to 19. Listen now to the word of the Lord. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor bear fruit beyond the vines, Uh, nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the Lord of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. The Lord be with you. Welcome to our Thanksgiving service. It's good to see you all. Um, Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this day that you have made once again. And we ask now that in the hearing of your word, uh, you would speak to us, you would challenge us, you would comfort us. And in that hearing, God, help us to trust you more and obey. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Let me share just a brief reflection with you this morning. And then as is our tradition for this Thanksgiving uh, Day service, I'll have all of you share your testimonies of Thanksgiving. Our reading today comes from Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets, uh, and it just has three short chapters. In the first two chapters, as is typical of many prophetic books, the prophet Habakkuk, complains about the lack of justice among God's people, and he warns them of impending judgment. He also questions God and God's decision to chastise his unrighteous nation by using the even more unrighteous empire of the Babylonians. Like many people of faith, like us, Habakkuk struggles to maintain trust in God and God's just rule when all around him is injustice. Then in chapter three, Habakkuk offers a prayer beginning with these words. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Having heard of God's impending judgment in the previous two chapters, Habakkuk is rightfully in reverential fear. He asks God to do it again. That is to bring about justice once again, but he implores God in wrath, remember mercy. Then in verses three through 15, there is what is known as a theophany or a vision of God. Habakkuk describes a vision of God as a incredibly bright light, as one who commands all of nature and all nations as one who shakes the earth and scatters mountains, as one like a mighty warrior crushing all who oppose him and bringing salvation for his people. It is an overwhelming vision of God and God's immense power. <clears throat> it's reminiscent of the story of Job. Job and his friends similarly question God about what seemed like incomprehensible and unjust suffering. God never explains or answers the question of why. But when Job catches a glimpse of God's presence and power, he responds with these words, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job was overcome by God's power, majesty, and wisdom. His questions of why never get answered but seeing who is the one that is giving him the answers left him more than satisfied. Likewise, our reading today is the last part of Habakkuk's prayer and it's his response to having seen this incredible vision of God. In verse 16, he begins by acknowledging his own fear. He knows what's coming. I hear it, my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble before me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. He's terrified, but he accepts God's ultimate future judgment for his people and for his enemies. And that's also why he began his prayer by asking God in wrath, remember mercy. Verse 17 then describes what's ahead. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. He anticipates total and catastrophic economic collapse. Finally. No figs, no grapes, no olives, no wheat, no sheep, no goats, no cattle, nothing. Since we aren't farmers, in modern terms, imagine something like this. Though I lose my job and can't get health insurance, the stock market crashes and my investments disappear. Costco and Wegmans go out of business and there's no food in my freezer. It's as bad as it can be. It's a complete economic shutdown. It's 2,000 pigs rushing over a cliff. And once it shuts down, it's not like it can be automatically and quickly revived the next year. It will take years to recover, if at all. Doesn't that sound at least a little familiar? Isn't this how some of you have felt at least at some point during this pandemic, during this year? With the ongoing pandemic and with what looks like out-of-control spikes in cases, with racial unrest and violence and social injustice still widespread, with unemployment hurting already vulnerable populations even more, with increasing numbers of those homeless struggling to find shelter, now with the limitations on the number of people shelters can safely accommodate, with the election still not fully resolved, and with one of the worst hurricane seasons we've ever had. Even with the good news of some promising vaccines on the way, all the problems of the world that we had before the pandemic will still be here after the pandemic. So it's understandable that people are feeling angry or sad or in despair. And it doesn't have to be so extreme or apocalyptic, but the question continues to remain. When what you ordinarily rely on for your security and happiness are taken away, when the world looks bleak, when you are surrounded by injustice, how do you respond? Look at the bright side, tighten your belts, try harder. Those are not necessarily bad things to do, but look at what Habakkuk does, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the lord i will take joy in the god of my salvation he knows with prophetic certainty the destruction that is coming yet he chooses to rejoice in the lord yet in spite of everything before me in spite of everything that is coming i choose to rejoice in the lord yet I will rejoice in the Lord. That is a very small, but an incredibly powerful word. We are a yet people. I wanted to say that we are yetis, but I didn't want to uh, have the association with the abominable snowman. But we are a yet people. We see with clarity what is wrong around us, but we do not despair. We do not lose hope. We do not quit. Yet, I and we will rejoice in the Lord. Last week, Jesus commanded us to rejoice when we are persecuted for his name's sake. Joy is a command. Here, we see that joy is also a choice. Joy is not just a feeling that you're waiting to happen to you after some good experience. Joy is a decision of faith to trust in God. Instead of complaining, we can choose to rejoice in the Lord. Again, I remind you of Job, when everything had been taken away from him, his family, his wealth, and even his health to the point of death, Job was still able to say, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. How? Because God is my salvation. And as Habakkuk adds in verse 19, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Trials, loss, suffering are with us. They've come in the past and they will come again in the future. They are inevitable. But our hope is in the God of our salvation. And God gives us strength. In fact, he equips us not only to survive, but to thrive under the harshest conditions. Like the feet of a deer, he will give us sure-footedness when the ground gives way and shifts. God will help us climb up from the valleys of hopelessness to the heights of his glory. And here's where you can be more sure-footed. Psalm 18, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure and the heights. Habakkuk quotes from the Psalms. He has remembered God's word, and he has confidence in difficult and challenging situations because he knows God and God's word. It's when you know God that you can have confidence and hope, and you can know God, you can catch a vision of God through God's word. Most of us will not likely have the experience of an overwhelming theophany, but We can all know and we can all experience God through God's word. I know that it's been a tough year for most of us. Classes have gone online, jobs have been lost, dreams have been crushed. There is so much that we have lost this year. Yet as the people of God, we can still choose joy. We choose joy and thankfulness because Jesus is the Lord, because God is my salvation, I will rejoice. And so at this time, let's share with one another. Let's acknowledge what has died, the hardships, the pain, the suffering. Yet, yet, let's also recognize as Jesus said in John 12, truly, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So let's praise God for the fruit, for the signs of new life that we have witnessed during this harsh season. At this time, I want to invite you now to respond to the prompt that we gave you last week. Normally I would ask you to uh, come up, uh, form a line uh, by the pulpit, but since we can't do that, I wanna ask you now Uh, To put your name into the chat box to indicate that you want to share something so line up in the chat box and then I will call you in the order that I see the names and so uh, when I call your name, then please unmute yourself and share.